I trust that time of worship was encouraging to you. And it is Memorial Day weekend. And I'm realistic. I know that we are a Florida church. So I know some of you guys are doing church right now on your boat, out at Boca Grand Pass, up by Captiva, over at Sanibel. And so I just want to say, I think it's awesome if you're celebrating who God is out on the waters right now. Crank the volume up on your boat. Help the other people in the boats experience Gulfside Church. The fish, the dolphin, everybody gets to hear the message today. However you're celebrating Memorial Day this year, make sure you take time and just reflect on and be thankful for the reason for the celebration. It's great to throw the barbecues and get out on the water, but we are remembering those who gave their life to pay for the freedoms that we have. No greater love hath a man than to lay down his life for his friends. And when we think of what that experience would be like for the family of one of the members of our armed services, we understand that that is a terrible cost to pay. And so we are thankful for the freedoms that we enjoy because of their service, because of the lives that were given. And we recognize that for so many of them, that when their family went through the experience of losing a loved one and protection of our country, they entered a time where they had to figure out what the new normal looked like. Because experiencing a loss like that, you don't get to go back to how it was. And I think of our generation, the first time that my generation really felt that way through an experience as a nation was during 9-11. It was like this one thing happened, this one occurrence, this one major event. And it was like our normal view of the world is forever changed and we have to figure out what is the new normal going forward and right now across our world. I believe we're at one of those points where it's like, okay, we, we don't get to go back to what was normal. I mean, the way things were, th this is something that has impacted our world in a significant way. And so what is the new normal gonna look like? Going forward, how are we gonna see things differently? How are we gonna come out of this? Because right now we're still all in quarantine mode. We can't do things the way that we used to do them. But I can tell you, even in the future, we're gonna be doing them differently than we have been. And I think that this is an appropriate time to look, not just at our nation, not just at our culture, but at our household in our life. And say, okay, what does the new normal need to look like? Because there's some things that we won't be able to do anymore the way that we did them, but there's also some things that we don't need to do them the way we were doing them. Because what we were doing in the past, a lot of the things weren't working. They weren't bringing us the results that we wanted. And so let's just kind of be here and say, okay, we're this pivot moment in our culture. What does our life need to look like? What does my new normal need to be like? What needs to stay slowed down and what needs to speed up? And so much of scripture, we get called to this moment where we have an interaction with God and then we have to make a decision. Okay, how am I going to proceed now that I know this, now that I understand this. And today's passage is one of those passages where the Apostle Paul is praying for a church. And, and what he's saying is there's these areas of your life where you need, to, you need to have strength, you need to have change, you need to allow God to change things. And this is the truth of what the gospel does in our heart. It brings changes. I don't want to change you. 
I don't want you to ever experience change because the hand of Paul was applying pressure in some area or there was social pressure. That's not what I want. I do want you to experience change though, but I want it to be because your heavenly father was speaking to you in a way, the Holy Spirit was speaking to you in a way where you personally desired to grow closer to him, to walk in obedience to him. And so you implement change and experience the life that God has for you. And the apostle Paul is praying for the church and he's saying, this is three different areas where we should be experiencing change. Sanctification is the word that he uses. Let's look at this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting at verse 23 and through verse 24. And, it, and Paul's praying for them and he says, says this. He says, now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus comes again. And into verse 24, God will make this happen. For he who calls you is faithful. Now the place that this prayer in this passage starts off, now may the God of peace. And it's just interesting to me, and it deserves our attention, that the beginning point is this God of peace. Because you know what people are searching for so much in their life? A sense of peace, a sense of balance, a sense of things are the way that they're supposed to. A sense of, I don't desperately need something else, but I feel fulfilled. So many people are searching for that, but they're searching for it in all the wrong places. If I just had that car, then I would have a real sense of peace and happiness. No, brother, I'm sorry. You would just have a new car payment and a bigger car payment. That wouldn't help you. If I had this new person, if I had a different spouse, if I had a different friend, I would finally have a sense of peace. No, you would just have a different set of problems that comes from their problems. That person's not going to give you peace. Peace doesn't come from a thing or a person or an object that we can purchase. Peace is found in God alone. It's part of his nature. His nature is love. His nature is peace. And when we are close to him, and when we walk in his ways, we have that peace. Now listen to me. I'm not saying when you loosely acknowledge who he is, you will have his peace. That's not where we get his peace from. When you occasionally attend church, or if you even regularly attend church and you show up on Sunday mornings when we're allowed to meet together, that's not how you get peace. But when you live the way that he has lived, when you follow his commands, I'm gonna tell you, you experience the peace that only comes from God. You experience the peace that has really driven so many desires and urges and thoughts of saying, I would be happier if I had this because this is what I've experienced across my life and across so many other people's lives. That when you get close to God, not because of someone else's pressure, not because of obligation, not because of what your family does, but because you desire to get closer to God. You experience a peace that fills a place in your heart that you didn't even realize was so hungry and driving so many other behaviors. And so the, the, these behaviors that we've been doing to seek after fulfillment, I wanna tell you, those are just shadows that are driving us towards God. And, and this God of peace, he has desires for you. He, he doesn't wanna see you chasing after things that are empty. There's this idea in our head that if I start following God, that, that things might not come to me that I want, or, or there's, there's some fear, or, or there's this unknown. And I wanna tell you, when you follow God, he is going to provide peace 
not fear. We have not been given a spirit of fear and timidity. That is not who God is. That is not what he has given us, but he has given us love and he has given us peace and he has given us a calling. And within this passage, it uses a term that you've probably heard many times, but I don't know if you could define it easily because sometimes it is hard to to define. And and in the passage, it it says that that he wants to make us holy. And I wanna wanna say it this way. Um, Holy, we are called to be holy in every way. Now, I could have been, I could have said it, you know, we're called to be holy, holy, but that sounds kind of um, corny, and I would never put that up on the screen, and so that's not what I said. What I said is we are called to be holy in every way. Absolutely, the whole being of who we are is called to be holy, but, but we have to get this defined, I think, because this word holy, it's a very churchy word, and what it means is to be set apart, to be set apart. It, it, it feels so mystical to say holy sometimes, but, but we have to get our hands around the meaning of this. And this is so important because so many times in scripture, we are called to be holy. We are told about things that are holy and we need to understand what does it mean when something is holy? Well, well it means it is set apart. I wanna illustrate it like this. If you're a parent of young kids, you've experienced this. Um, where you have a stack of papers that are just piling up on your, your, your countertop or your table, and you kind of look at them and they go, okay, um, I, I don't need that paper. We can get rid of that one. I don't need that one that's got a little scribble on it. Um, this is like a half avocado, half human. We don't need that one. Oh, but look, my daughter, she, she drew us a thank you card, and you can tell she spent some time on it. And I'm gonna keep this one. I'm gonna set this one apart from the pile. These ones uh, we, we, we don't have need of, but this one is, is gonna be saved. This one's gonna go with the scrapbook. This one's gonna stick around. But these ones, uh, that, that's for a different purpose other than keeping. This one is mine. The, the whole concept of holy is just simply to be set apart. That, that God has set this one apart. Being set apart is saying that my purpose, my, my passion, the plan for my life, all of those things are different because though I was on one road, I've been taken from that destination and I've been moved and set apart to an entirely different one. And quite honestly, when God gets a hold of your life, that is the perfect picture. It's like he called me and he moved me. My life was heading in one direction, but when I heard his call, my life turned and went to a direction that is set apart from the destruction that I was heading towards. It's this change in position. It's also described in scripture, the illustration is used of adoption. That I was moved from not being in God's family to being moved into his family. And when Paul is praying for the church and he's saying that we would be wholly sanctified, that we would be entirely holy throughout our life. He's putting this calling on us of saying every part of our life needs to be set apart to God's ways. It's really easy to segment our life and say, you know what, Sundays, I'll be holy for that morning. I'll go to church. I'll watch my language. I I won't even smoke in the parking lot. I'm gonna be so holy on Sunday mornings. God's got me on Sunday mornings. 
But Monday mornings require different meanness out of me because of just the way my work is. And then Friday night, Saturday night, that's the time to cut loose. And the other times are kind of for me, kind of for my family. We do our own thing. But Sunday morning, that's the holy time. And that's destructive. It's destructive to your faith. It's destructive to your family's faith. It's destructive to those in the community. And it's not something that's going to empower you to live the kind of life that God desires you to live, that scripture instructs you to live, and quite honestly, that internally inside of you says, this is the kind of life I should be living. That kind of segmented life, it's not good and it's not a long-term plan. And so the Apostle Paul is writing and he's saying, every single area of your life, make all of it holy, make all of it set apart to God. I'm going to tell you the reason that the Apostle Paul is saying, set every part of your life apart to God, do it his way, is because that's what really brings us the joy and the love and the fulfillment that is designed into us to seek after. When you do things God's ways, you get God's results. That's the way that the world works. And it's not that we won't experience challenges and difficulties, but the fact is there is a promised peace even through the storms of life. And so we're given this instruction to not segment our life and make part of it for God and part of it for myself or, or for the passions of the flesh. It says all of it, make it God's. Every area of our life needs to belong to God. And I've seen this in, in so many different ways. I've seen it amongst Christian colleges where it's like there's a, there's a segment of my life that's really passionate. And I remember when I was in a Christian college, man, the worship, it's like kids were, were just engaged. Their hands were lifted. They were laying on the floor worshiping God. But, but they, they couldn't even act like a normal basic human being in the line for the cafeteria 15 minutes later. And it's, and it's strange. Or I've even seen pastors and Christian celebrities and people who are leaders at church where it's like one part of their life will seem so passionate for God. But then when it comes to the, just the smaller things of how they interact with family members or strangers or, or people who are considered lower on the social scale than, than they are, when you see that in them, there's something within you that says that is not right. And I don't expect, I don't expect any person to be perfect. But I want to tell you, what should catch our attention is not how well someone speaks on a stage or how passionately they worship. What should catch our attention is when someone within themselves says, I want to live holy before God. And so in the way that I speak, it's not that I'm trying to impress those who listen but I want to impress my heavenly father. I want to speak according to what scripture says. Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome words come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for the building of others according to the needs of those who listen. There's this truth that, that when I personally decide, even in the places of my life that people don't see, I want to pursue holiness those are the people that are, are worth taking note of. And, and it's not that they're perfect, it's just that they begin to have this desire to change. And this is, the, this is the incredible part of it. It's not about the desire to be seen. And I think that's where the problem occurs. When it's, ah, uh, you know, I, I worship passionately as long as there's other people in the room to watch me do it. I, I enjoy speaking as long as it makes me look elevated. Uh, if those things become true, then it's like you've received your reward for that spiritual action in full because God's not interested in it. What he is interested in is a heart that is fully his. That says in the areas of my life where people may not notice, 
When, when, you, when you are serving God in a way that says, you know what? No one else wants to do this job, and so I want to do it. And I don't need any recognition for it. When we get to that point where we desire holiness in our life, and we understand the only person who needs to be in the audience is our Heavenly Father, that's a Christian, take, that's a Christian worth taking note of. That's the kind of faith that I want to live. That's the type of holiness that Scripture calls us to. When we hear the word holiness, we often think of someone who has it all together. But I love the way that um, Campbell Morgan said it in this quote. He said, holiness is not the end of progress, but the deliverance from standing still. I mean, just th think about this for an, a minute. When we say that, that we're holy or we're seeking after holiness, we're seeking after living a set-apart life, a life that's lived to God's standard, it, it's not the end of progress. It's not saying, oh, we've arrived there, but it's the deliverance from standing still, which is the issue in so many. I'm going to pick on us men. It's the issue in so many men's faith. We, we think that we've checked a box, and so now we just have to keep that box checked by not doing anything, and we've lived this faith that has been boring and stagnant and it's, it's killing our own churches because we need men who are living a life of progression saying, I understand God has taken me so far, but he still has further to take me. And so I'm going to live, I'm going to serve, I'm going to pour my life out for others. We need to have a type of holiness that sees progressive growth. This is progressive sanctification where God is speaking to me this month about one area, maybe my words. And I understand the next month he's, he's talking about something else, but my faith is progressively growing. And I'm going to tell you, I've had so many conversations like this. I've met with someone and they said, you know what, Paul? I'm going to try to start giving, but I just, I honestly, I hate it. Like, I hate giving money. I like having money in my account. I don't like giving it away. This is hard for me. In my marriage right now, it's messed up, and we're trying to fix it. And I walk away from that meeting not being like, oh my gosh, this person is falling apart. I walk away from that meeting pumped up because I'm not, this person's getting their life together. Like, they're taking steps. In contrast, I can have a meeting with someone who says, you know, everything's fine, everything's good, but you know, my neighbor's got some issues. Why don't we pray for my neighbor? Because I overheard this as I opened my window to eavesdrop on them while they were talking on their back line. That's the person I walk away. I've got some concerns for them. They think everything's fine, but everything is not fine. And the difference is a person who is trying to progress and a person who thinks that they've arrived and their only job now is to fix other people. And I will be the first to tell you in a conversation, I know God is still working on me. I know I am not perfect. I'm not a perfect father. I am not a perfect pastor. I'm not a perfect husband. I'm not a perfect person. But I know that my heavenly father's hand is still at work. And so when I see this call to holiness, I understand this is not something of, oh, I've got to reach a finish line, but this is something I've got to keep running in. And so I want you men, I want you women, I want you teenagers, I want you to hear this, this question. Where are you progressing in your life? Where are you moving forward in your faith? God is a God of peace, and, and I believe that's the result of walking with him. We experience peace, we experience love, but we also experience this call to growth that can be difficult at times, but I'm going to tell you, it's fulfilling through the whole thing. When, we, when we're in the middle of a struggle to grow, there's a sense of peace in that struggle. 
This call to a holy life, it was the heartbeat of Jesus. He prayed for his followers that they would be sanctified, that they would be made holy. I want to show you this passage in John 17, verse 17. And he's praying, and he's praying to the Father, saying, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And so in the issue of our personal life, where we're saying, okay, I want to set my life apart to live the way God has called me to live. The source of what that looks like is not our own opinion. It comes from the word of God, from the word of our Father. The way that we're sanctified is in truth. This is Jesus' statement. God, your word is truth. And so as we look at what our life should be looking like, our standard cannot be our opinion. Our standard has to be rooted and built in the word of God. And so that begins to reshape many of the things that we've believed, thought, many of the actions that we've taken. We need to change what those actions look like because the standard that our life is being lived from is the word of God and not our opinion. This is where the picture, picture of holiness is found. And so one of the thoughts that I want to give you in this message is in order to begin to see holiness grow in our life, we need to expand the influence of the word of God in our life. Uh, I, want, I want you to see this. Expand the influence of the word of God in your life. Now look, the word of God should be speaking. It should be guiding. And I'm saying expand because wherever you are in, in your walk with God, wherever you are and how much you've studied scripture, there is still the capacity for you to expand that. And not just your knowledge of it, but the influence that it has in your life. It's power to change the way that you think, the way that you live, the way that you parent, the way that you work at your job. But you have to know some of the word of God for it to have any influence in your life. And so you have to figure out what that looks like. Listening here on a Sunday morning is great, but I'm telling you, you need to begin to inject the word of God into every day of your week. You can do this through listening to podcasts, through listening videos on YouTube, listening to, to songs that speak about scripture. There's so many ways for you to fill your head and your heart with the word of God, but you have to begin to put it into your life and allow it to have power and influence over the way that you have been living. And as you learn more scripture, God will take something and he'll put it on your heart and it will begin to be like, God has given me the grace and the love and the strength and the power to begin to fight this fight that I didn't even know that I needed to fight. This relationship that I'm in, I am now fully convinced that, that if God is calling me out of this dating relationship, that, that I'm not gonna be left to be lonely, that he's gonna provide a lasting relationship. That if God is calling me out of this job because there's things happening that I should not be part of, that as I step out of that situation, God is going to provide for my needs and moving in faith. And it's like as we study scripture, he's gonna speak into our life and he's gonna give us action steps to take. And each time, it's like each little step forward that we take in our faith, it, it, it's almost like a star beginning to shine in the night. And I love this picture, and I'm, I'm going there with, with the idea of holiness, because when we live holy, it does look like a light shining in the darkness. And I came across this quote while I was studying this week, and it just spoke to my heart so much. And it says, holiness is a constellation of graces. And this was written in 1830, and that just adds to the beauty of it in my mind for some reason. But it's like holiness is this constellation of graces. And the idea is that it's not like everything holy showed up in my life at once. But it's like when I began 
to get my marriage together. It's like that's one star shining in the darkness. That, that when I began to change the way that I speak, when I began to change my finances, when I began to change the way that I parented, it's like one little change at a time created this bigger picture. And I think that it's easy to get overwhelmed and look at, okay, well, this person's life looks so perfect. Well, you don't understand. It's one area at a time. And as God gives us the grace to step forward, as he gives us the strength to step forward, it creates this bigger picture. It's a progression. When you're called to be holy in scripture, I don't want you to feel like, oh, I've got to fix everything today. What is God speaking to you about today? What is the area that you need to progress in today? Over the next couple weeks, we're going to go through the different portions uh, of the, the person that's listed in this passage. It, it talks about spirit, soul, and body. And today I'm going to teach a little bit on spirit, and we'll get to the other pieces in the next few weeks. But when it says that our, we should be sanctified, we should be holy in our spirit, what does that mean? And, and what exactly is our spirit? That's what I want to teach on a little bit today. The Greek word for spirit is pneuma, and it's the same word that's used for Holy Spirit, but it's used in a different context to talk about this truth that there's part of us that is spirit. There's part of us that is body. There's part of us that is soul, or psyche is the Greek word. And the part of us that's spirit is the part of us that has the, the nature of God. It has the eternal nature across it. Our spirit is the part of us that is impacted by sin the most heavily. We are, as scripture says, dead because of our transgressions in our spirit. But when we come to that point where we ask Christ for forgiveness, where we become a new creation, it's new life that happens in our spirit. And our spirit comes to life. And this is the part that, that when you make that decision to follow Christ, it's like, man, a light just turned on in the darkness and people look at you and they say, why have your desires and your lifestyle changed so much? It's because I have become alive in the spirit. And what Corinthians says is actually other people who, who look at it will say, it looks like foolishness. Like these things of the spirit, they look like foolishness. And it's gonna look like that to people if they aren't alive in the spirit yet. The very first thing that you need to know to be sanctified or to be holy in your spirit is you need to know Christ is Lord. Because until that moment, there is part of you that hasn't even fully come to life yet. Our spirit is the part that moves from death to life at that moment where we believe. As Jesus was having that discussion with Nicodemus and he talks about being born again, this is what he's talking about. As the Apostle Paul writes about us being new creations if we're in Christ, this is that part of us that they are writing about. Sin is destructive to the spirit, but when it comes alive, it awakens us to a whole new part of our world. It provides a peace that can withstand the storms that are experienced, when, when things in our body feel out of control, when things in our mind feel out of control, our spirit is the part of us that can steady that with the peace of God. 
The body cries out for comfort and the soul cries out for affection, but the spirit cries out for the heavenly father. And when we hear the gospel and when we see the light of Christ, before we've made that decision, there's a part of us that God causes to yearn for connection with him. And then when that comes alive, and I'm gonna tell you, Romans chapter eight is a great read on this topic and it gets into it if you wanna do some additional study on that. But when it comes alive, it changes us. And this is the experience that so many of you guys your heart was crying for. And if you've experienced it, you know the joy that comes with it. And you know the fulfillment that comes with it. When we get our spirit to a healthy place where it is supposed to be. And the experience of our life, it changes. Romans 8, 6 says it this way. That the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. And I want you to see this. That our mind or our, our soul, our thoughts, our emotions, when it's governed by the spirit... It is life and peace that we experience. In, in Ezekiel, it actually talked about this change of heart and life that God would bring to us. In Ezekiel 36, it says this, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. This whole concept of, of moving from a place where it feels like death to life God has been telling us about it since the Old Testament through the life of Jesus Christ it is offered to us and then in, in the acts of the church and the epistles from Paul it is written to us the experience of what it's like when this new spirit is in us and this is what you need. The first step to experiencing this is confessing with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. And that is what starts this chain reaction of new life and a whole spirit that scripture speaks of. But many of us, we've made that decision, but it's like we've had things out of balance. Though our spirit is alive, we have been leading our life with our body or, or with our emotions, but we have not been living a spirit-led life where the spirit that God has placed inside of us has the authority and the lead over the other things that we feel. And so I wanna give you three quick ways to strengthen the spirit that God has caused to come alive in you. These are three ways that we can do it. The first one is to know that your spirit is alive and set apart. Now, now this is important because first of all, if you don't recognize that there is this part of you, that there's this spiritual part, I mean, we know that there's the physical part, we know that there's the emotional part, but if you don't recognize that there's a spiritual part to you, you will neglect your spiritual health. You will treat church like a check-in rather than something that is strengthening you and required the way that meal is required to strengthen you as you start your day. As we start our days, we should be spiritually seeking growth and strength from our Heavenly Father. And that, that growth is found by bringing the Word of God into our life. And that, that's what number two is. We need to strengthen your spirit with the word of God. We, we need to understand, okay, there's this part of me that's alive, that's called to be set apart to God, and I need to strengthen it. And the way that I do that is by bringing the word of God into my life, by, by having it in my mind, by, by singing about it through the day. It's so much easier to go through a day knowing that your heavenly father is close to you because you've already spent time with him. You understand that his hand is present on your life. And so as you experience challenges in the day, you face them without fear because the word of God are fresh on your mind. It's gonna help strengthen your spirit. And, and that really connects into the third one as well. And the third way to strengthen your spirit is to lead your whole self into worship. Now, this is, this is very intentionally written this way because in this series, we're gonna talk about how we're spirit, how we're body, and, and how, how we're psyche or soul. And we need to worship with all three parts of our being 
some of us have never done this, leading ourselves into worship. I mean, we've been to lots of church services where other people let us in, but what a strange thing if we go through our own life and the only time that we've ever worshiped God is when someone else brought us into it. I mean, in your personal time, does it feel foreign? Does the idea feel foreign for you to spend some time where you get off by yourself and you lift your hands and worship and you pray to him and you glorify him and you speak about his goodness and it's just you and him? I mean, does that idea seem foreign to you? And this shouldn't make you feel bad. This should give you, okay, I know one of the things that I need to do. I need to get off and I need to spend time with my heavenly father and I need to just have a little worship service. Like I need to crack open scripture and I need to read it. I need to sing off key to him because it's the only way I know how to sing and I need to celebrate him and it's going to be good and there will be no complaints because I'll be the only person there. And there will be no complaints because your heavenly father will be overjoyed to see you passionately worshiping him with no one else around. And man, what would it do for our churches? What would it do for our families if as individuals, we were filling our own tanks with worship? We were filling our own tanks with worshiping our heavenly father. If we were seeking after holiness on our own, and then when we finally got to come together, what a fire and passion would be present when there's actual band and there's actual people and there's other ones encouraging us and helping us, but we've already been worshiping, so we already know how to do it. And I'm gonna tell you, it would be awesome. But I'm not sure we know what that looks like yet. But I'd love to find out. I'd love to see what it would be like if by the time we got back to worship together, even outside of these videos, that that you had spent time worshiping on your own, that you had called your family in together and worshiped together. And you know that in your spiritual life, you would be healthier if every now and then that was a practice that you had. When it comes to being holy across our whole life, not giving God a segment, but giving him all of us, I want to go back to the last part of the passage, if we can, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24. And I want you to see this. God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. Now, there's an interesting element in this passage that I want you to see. God says, I got this. <laughs> I can do this. I can help you grow. I can help you become holy but I'm not going to force it to happen. What I'm doing is I'm calling. For he who calls you is faithful. There's this element of God is inviting and God is calling and he is willing to supply the strength, but you have to supply the willingness. You have to take a step. You have to enter this space with God and allow him to work. And as you hear this today, you feel like, I don't know if I've ever taken that step to see God work in my spirit. I didn't even know that I had a spirit before this. It starts with that step that I described before. Confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved and God will start a work. It doesn't stop today, but carries you through your life. So where in that work are you at today? Where is God working today? How is your spirit growing in strength today? I want to pray for you guys. 
And I know there's so many different stresses and difficulties in the world today, but one of the simple things that we can do this week is take those three ways and begin to apply them to our life. And I know that as you do that, God is gonna strengthen your spirit. He's gonna help you set it apart to live a different life. Lord, I thank you that you call us, but you provide the strength. That, that you challenge us and you lift us up to reach that challenge. Help us to lead well in our lives. Help us to live a kind of life that is not segmented, but all of it is yours. All of it is lived for your glory. And may you be lifted up in this church and in our lives and in our homes. And may nothing be off limits to you. We, we confess with our mouth that Jesus, you are Lord, and we believe in our heart that God, you raised him from the dead. And we thank you that you cause us to be new creations, that if anyone is found in Christ, we are a new creation. So Father, be at work in us today. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for this opportunity you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen.